This Three Beards Media podcast is sponsored by Revelton Distilling Company. When Rob and Christy Taylor started following the Kentucky Bourbon Trail in 2012, they fell in love with not only bourbon, but the entire distilling process. Just eight short years later, in 2020, Revelton Distilling Company was opened, offering an entire family of products, including vodka, gin, whiskey, and Revelton Shine. Come visit the tasting room at 1400 West Clay Street in Osceola, Iowa, where you can sample one of their many spirits, including four gold medal winners. Can't make it to Osceola today? Not a problem, as you can pick some up at your local Hy-Vee or Fairway grocery stores. Follow Revelton Distilling on Twitter or Instagram at ReveltonDC or their website, www.reveltondistilling.com. This Three Beards Media podcast may contain mature themes, and if you're not down with that, we got three words for you. Like the podcast. Nailed it! Would you like to sample some of my nuts? Welcome back yet again, dear listener, to another edition of Old Man Strength, a podcast of Three Beards Media and brought to you by Revelton Distilling Company. I am Tim Johnson, joined as always by Chris Shipley. Chris, how are we doing this evening? Not too bad. I think we're going to get some snow tomorrow, so I'm not super excited about that because, you know, February snow sucks ass. Oh no, snow. Are you okay? <laughs> oh, I know. Oh, that that seems so sad. Oh, I'm so sorry. I mean, um, in my defense, it was 50 some degrees today. I had the top down on the car. Uh yeah. I'm, I, I would always prefer, and I think the rest of the public would if you would just leave the top on. Um <laughs> uh, <laughs> all uh, right. Yeah. Well, no, I hey, I got I gotta jump in. Um uh, why wouldn't I, uh, frankly, I think, I think that's only fair. Um, you know, uh, we've had a lot going on here at three birds media. So, um, I, listeners, I think have, uh, a lot more things to, to listen to as well, not just from us, but from all of our other podcast partners at three birds media, uh, Chris, before we, get into things i wondered if you want to go ahead and kind of talk and highlight some of the things we have going on yeah uh so we are uh we've launched a a couple of new things this month uh bill blank a local comedian here in des moines iowa and myself have uh hosted and launched a new podcast called false starts uh bringing mental health back into the playbook it's really designed to sit down and talk about men's mental health and being open about it and taking it kind of out of the shadows um, <clears throat> along with uh, Des Moines uh, Police Department inside the tape with Paul Parizic and, and Dave Campbell. Uh, they had to reschedule their first episode. Paul is uh, working on some some deeper stuff right now. So we are postponing the first episode, but it is in the works 
and ready to go. Uh, I think Cy the Storm guys are recording right now on on another channel uh, while they're watching the game, so it'll be a live reaction there. Uh, you guys just recorded a new episode for Bitter Units, and then your episode with Confluence is just got launched last week. And Hot Mess Happy Hour is due to record next week, I think. So we are moving and grooving. We are absolutely in the, in the thick of things for sure. Um, and it, we also had a a guest host on this podcast in my absence since I was stuck at work. Um, I do want to uh, give a huge shout out to to George Strice for for filling in for me. Um, if you guys aren't listening to Side of the Storm, please go ahead and and give that podcast a listen. And if you are not uh, uh, paying attention to all the work that George is doing with the Trice Foundation, please. Uh, please go ahead and, and take a look at that. But uh, Chris, I want to go ahead and just give you the opportunity to introduce our guest for this evening. Yeah. Uh, so I have been listening to this gentleman uh, on local TV, local radio, read him in the newspaper, probably for, uh, I, I mean, since I was a younger gentleman. So <laughs> Uh, uh, Mr. Movies, Mike Woody, uh, the, uh, the local, probably the best, uh, movie critic here in, in the Midwest, as far as I'm concerned, Mike Woody, thanks for coming on old man strength. Wow. What were you in like third grade? Is that no. what you were saying? When you were <laughs> no. I, I'll tell you, Mike, man. I'm not very good at this transition stuff. I got halfway through that and I thought, oh, this is going to come off as insulting and it's really not meant to be. <laughs> <laughs> so makes oh. you feel any better. I did the same thing the other night on my other podcast. So uh, what can all I say? right. Well, yeah, I, you know, I, I, I might be the best in town because I think I'm the only one in town. No, I said Midwest. I said Midwest. <laughs> now that Roger Ebert's not with us anymore. Yeah, wow. That, that's rarefied air there, my friend. So. Right, no kidding. No kidding. Uh, in all seriousness, uh, I appreciate you coming on. Part of the reason why I wanted to ask you to come on was um, I, I'd like to settle a long-time debate that Tim's uh, choice in pop culture and movies is worse than mine. But uh, part of the reason I wanted to bring you on, too, was uh, – I enjoy a lot of the things that you that you tweet about. You're a big Iowa fan. We'd love to dig into that. Uh, you and I have something in common. I think we've we've kind of touched on it a little bit. Uh, we're both cancer survivors, uh, so I wanted to give you a shout out for that as well. But why don't you tell our listeners a little bit more in depth about uh, about yourself? All right, let's see. I, I you know, I I don't really uh, do a lot of speaking engagements, so <laughs> yeah. <okay. laughs> but let's let's wing this a little bit. I grew up in Peoria, uh, you know, typical Midwest, you know, altar boy, you know, was Boy Scout. Uh, went to first year of high school there, and then my dad, who was in the insurance business. Um, told the family that he had two opportunities to get his own agency. One was in Spokane and one was in Sioux City. I voted for Spokane. <laughs> as, as anyone with taste would. And he voted for, I don't even know if the rest of the family voted, quite frankly. Um, but it was just, I ended up in Sioux City. I walked into Sioux City Healing as a sophomore, and it, it, I guess you don't realize how traumatic that can be because everybody 
else in the school grew up together in their grade schools. And then here this guy walks in and they're like, who the hell are you? You know, all the clubs, all of the teams, everything had already been set up as the freshman. So I walked in and just kind of had to tread water. But by the time I was done there, I was I was doing just fine. So that being said, I headed for the University of Iowa. Had uh, quite a bit of time there. Enjoyed myself greatly. Um, <laughs> I feel like there's more it, to that story. <laughs> <laughs> just a little bit. Um, I don't know, joined a fraternity, worked at uh, the Astro Theater, worked at World Radio. I used to, and then I became the bouncer at the field house. And anybody that was in the field house in, in that day and age, it was the biggest bar in town. And somehow I was the head bouncer, which <laughs> doesn't mean anything other than I just got to order the other people around, the, the bigger people. But uh, we we saw we saw the dark side of some athletes, and we saw the uh, the bright side. Um, it was it was a great job. So you're Left. saying that uh, you're saying that uh, the Patrick Swayze uh, movie uh, as him as a bouncer was basically your life story. Yeah, um, not not quite. No, no. But I can tell you which. <laughs> Stoops, brother, you want to throw out and which one you don't. Okay, Bobby, you don't want to throw out. He's a mean son of a gun. Mike, <laughs> I, we threw Mike out and he laughed all the way to the front door. He just he just thought that was the greatest <laughs> thing. And he just didn't understand why he couldn't get up on the bar and crawl around on his hands and knees. <laughs> Dude, just go home and sober up. We'll see you tomorrow night. It was I uh, probably enjoyed my time in Iowa City more than most people did, but it was it was a great time to be in Iowa City. So I, I left Iowa City finally and um, made it about halfway back to Sioux City, landed in Des Moines with my English degree, and um, they forgot to tell me that there were absolutely no jobs for English majors, and you you just basically had to find something to do. So <laughs> I, I went down to the cable company. I, I, I didn't even know what I was applying for and uh, ended up selling cable television door to door, which I did not need my English degree for. I, I, I didn't, I, boy, I didn't even realize door to door cable sales were, were a thing. I, I was in such a small town that uh, nothing was sold door to door uh, because no one would travel to go visit the seven households to sell us anything. <laughs> I, I, you know what? I thought if if it, if nothing else, it was a great way to learn the city of Des Moines. Sure, because I'd never lived here, so I didn't know. And so I would they would <clears throat> they would hand you a big stack of cards, and. You would just walk door to door, literally, and knock on the doors, and the card would say whether they had cable or not. And then, you know, I was in the winter. I was out with my big coat and my Playboy Channel stocking cap, which <laughs> my wife still loves when I, uh, you know, snow blow the driveway with that on. <laughs> 
but uh, you know, I, I, I sold door to door for a while. Interesting story. My first week, never having sold a thing in my life, I actually led the sales team in sales. And what did they do? They promptly wrote me up because I told them I'd only work 20 hours. But, but they asked me how many hours I worked. I wrote it down. I didn't know yeah. I was supposed to work 40 hours. <laughs> <laughs> so they, they wrote me up and then that was an early lesson on how to lie in uh, business and, and get ahead. So, <laughs> stayed, stayed there for a year. There was a job out at the cable television studio. Again, no idea what that was. I went out and applied for a job. Long story short, I, I got the job. And I, I spent 25 years in advertising sales and uh, figured at 25 years that was good enough and kind of retired and left and decided, you know, why don't I just open like an ad agency and help businesses figure out their, their, their stuff. So that's what I've done for the last almost 15 years. So... If you see commercials on television for things like Mr. B clothing or Wilson Toyota or Lodge of Ashworth, Iowa Radiology, Iowa Cubs, I work with the Iowa Cubs, Holt Plumbing, Iowa State Bank. I mean, I've got about 15, 16 accounts, which hmm. keeps me more than a little busy. I've got a beautiful wife who's the director of the Des Moines Library. I've got two redheaded sons. And uh, that's it. So, well, well, that that's not just it. So Chris introduced <laughs> right? you as, as uh, the premier Midwest movie critic. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, you, you didn't tell us entirely how you got into that. Okay, you want, you want the honest truth? No, yes. I want you to lie to me. Okay. I was, uh, <laughs> I was like paid $10 million dollars to do that. <laughs> I, I begged. Back in the day at the cable company, and again, I'm at the studio, so all the production's going on out there. Um, back in the day, CNN Headline News had a five-minute local break at the bottom of the hour and the top of the hour that they offered to their affiliates <clears throat> to fill with a news break or whatever. Well, we didn't have any news. So um, my boss at the time, a guy named Rich Gilman, God rest his soul, um, said, I think you should do some movie reviews. And I'm like, really? And he said, yeah, why not? And we had, he had uh, tennis tips on there. He had golf tips on there. And then movie reviews. I think there was something else on there. I don't even remember. And so I would go sit in front of a camera once a week and, and tape a little five minute segment, which ran like six or seven times a day. Then, and here's where it gets bad. Then I got a phone call from a guy who had a radio show. His name was Marty Terrell. Mm -hmm. mm. And Marty said, I'm going to pay you $25 a week if you come in and talk to me on the radio and review movies. Did okay. he actually pay you? Um, he still owes me the last 25, but yes, I, I got, I'm very good at collections. Let's just put it that way. 
So then Marty leaves because he got a job with the Boston Celtics. He leaves me with a guy named Tim Dara. Tim and I had fun for a while. Tim left. And then they brought in this other guy named Steve Dace. And this is back, you know, there were several different iterations of, of these radio stations. One was in um, the Skybox or the Cub Club at uh, Principal Park, KXTK. And that just wasn't working for him. So they shut it down and Dace got an opportunity to go to what is now KXNO. And he says, I want you to come with me, which was kind of surprising, quite frankly, as much as he harassed me. And Dace and I did that for, actually, I, I take it back because the first place we went, no, Dace, we started in sports talk. And then Dace got an opportunity down the hall at WHO radio. And I figured, well, certainly you're not going to take me to WHO radio. And he did. And so we did that until he took off and he, now he's doing his own, his own gig on some service that you got to pay. And actually we'll talk about it. He's got a new movie coming out, which I've seen and is really good. But days, you know, I had an opportunity to stay with uh, Simon down on WHO. He wanted me on Friday nights at 5.30 for five minutes. And I'm like, I, that neither one of those sounds really appealing to me. And I knew that Murph and Andy down the hall had uh, inquired about <clears throat> me coming down with them. And I've been there ever since. And it's, I did it this afternoon. It's just those, those two guys are everything that you hear on the radio. I mean, they're just exactly like they sound and they are having more fun than they really should. So that's, that's how I got in the movie review business. So didn't you have, I, I feel like, didn't you have a, a small stint on MC22 as well? I don't think so. Uh, okay. Because <laughs> I think MC22 came in later. Okay. You're just remembering those little headline news breaks. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe yeah. that's what, that, that might be what it is. That yeah. could yeah. be it. <clears throat> well, uh, yeah, we, you and I have a, 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 not a similar experience, but yeah, I, I have a history with Marty Terrell as well. So <laughs> <laughs> did you get paid? Uh, uh, after we went to court. Oh, ouch. I'm sure that you've heard the story of, of, of the Vegas trip and, and. Oh yeah. Yeah. That, that would be my father and I, that, yeah. that's who that story is. So yeah, but yeah, you know. I'm sure he's living it up in some cushy little halfway house in Ankeny at this point, I think is where he's at. Boy, his ex-wife is all over him on the uh, on the Twitter feed, though. Yeah, she is. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and it's, it's unfortunate because the guy has more talent than most of the people I've ever known on the radio. He's just, he's, he's a flawed character. And it's just, he's done bad things to good people and it finally caught up with him. Yeah, as, as it should. For sure. At Revelton Distilling Company, everyone has become a part of the Revelton family. From the Taylors and their daughter who helped perfect their award-winning gins, to the team who installed Lucy, our 33-foot-tall custom-made still, right down to the local farms that provide our coveted corn, and even the cows on those farms who consume our mash byproduct. 
Want to see the farm to flask come to life? Now you can tour Lucy and find out where we take Iowa's harvest and transform it into our finest spirits. Choose between a 45-minute tour or find out even more by scheduling a VIP behind-the-scenes tour to get the taste of the full Revelton experience. You can visit them at 1400 West Clay Street in Osceola, Iowa, or find all of Revelton's award-winning spirits at any local grocery or spirits retailer. So we sent you a list of, of, of movies that uh, Tim and I compiled. Yeah, I was gonna pull. I was gonna pull that up. Like I was like, I got it. "What? What did I even send?" Because I That's, believe <laughs> I don't know. But um, okay, so uh, have I got? I may not have it all, but well, we'll read them as well. But okay, the, for the listeners, the gist of this was is that <laughs> Tim and I constantly will battle back and forth about pop culture stuff, and and I am uh hammered for either not seeing a movie or not enjoying a movie that everybody thinks that i should enjoy because i i just don't conform to you to society oh norms, i just I don't guess. i just don't conform look at how look at how he's already put, painting himself as some sort of weird counterculture whatever i mean you literally chose dances with wolves and shawshank redemption <laughs> as your favorite <laughs> movies and you want to say i don't conform good lord <laughs> you can see where this is going mike you, yeah, might, as well say, exactly you, you might as well just say that like your heroes are, are gandhi martin luther king and jesus and just pretend like those are the only <laughs> people you ever learned anything from like First of all, I'm not entirely clear on the whole Gandhi deal and and when he was and who he is. I'm just oh going to be honest. Well, no, that, that that does not surprise me at all. I think I knew him in Sioux City. <laughs> oh, my. Okay. So, anyway, yes, we did send you. So, to prep me for the for this episode, Chris said, hey, pick your, your, your 10 favorite movies. And then he narrowed it down to five. Um. I I have a hard time with an with an assignment like that because that's not the way I watch movies. I have a hard time ranking anything. So my top five were certainly in no particular order, uh, but they were probably maybe the five I've watched the most. And th- right. That was kind kind of the way I, I I came down to it. So since you didn't put whose list was whose list, yeah. oh, I think I did. Yeah. Mine is Tim. the top. Okay, t- Tim, yours is the top. No, mine's right. the top. So Chris, okay. The 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 one with, with dances with wolves is is <laughs> is Chris's, and I did not put that in my list of most overrated. But I kind of wish I would have put dances Which, with wolves. As, as I was talking with a friend of mine last night, he claims that that is the exact same movie as Avatar. It is with blue people. It is. So I I probably already put it in my most overrated. So anyway, it's actually a better movie than Avatar, but um, you know. Yeah. So 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 let's let's go ahead and start off. All right. We'll just we'll say this. Okay. So so Chris's top 5 movies were Dances with Wolves, Shawshank Redemption, Midnight Run, Indiana Jones, uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark, not Indiana Jones and the Lost Ark. As I he was told drinking me. last night. He was, oh my he and, was close. And the Godfather. Okay. And then my and then my top five were Casablanca, Snatch, Better Off Dead, Moulin Rouge, and the Dream Team. 
very wildly different lists. Yes. Uh, not not anywhere close uh, uh, at all. You know, uh, Tim, I, I there's two on your uh, list that I haven't even seen. Okay. There's right. four that I haven't seen. Better Off Dead. You've never seen Better Off Dead? Never seen it. And okay. the Dream Team. Okay. Um, Better Off Dead. Savage Steve Holland. Uh, uh, written, directed, produced. Uh, John Cusack, early vehicle. It's got David Ogden Steers in some of his most beautiful comedic uh, acting whatsoever. <laughs> um, Curtis Armstrong as as a great sidekick. It's a fantastic, uh, almost send up of coming of age <clears throat> movies. Uh, okay. It is uh, one of those things that I watch once a year. Uh, fantastic movie. I I love it. It's got uh, a beautiful quirkiness. If you've ever seen One Crazy Summer with with Demi Moore. Yes. Uh, and John Cusack, that's also uh, Savage Steve Holland, same filmmaker, same genre, same type of, of, of vibe. Well, if I've seen it, I don't remember it. How's okay. That? And then the dream team is Michael Keaton, Stephen First, uh, Peter Boyle, and Christopher Lloyd, four okay. escape mental uh, patients uh, who, okay, yes, who I are have... on their way to a Yankees game. I have seen uh, that. I, it's not the best movie plot wise, but is it is a masterclass in watching these four talented actors just explode all over the screen. Okay. So do I get to choose now? Is my camera not on? No, it's not. Well, well. <laughs> I just assumed you didn't want to be on camera, Mike. Yeah, what what are you talking about? Oh man. Oh man. Uh whatever. I'll figure it out somehow. <laughs> uh I have only seen one of those and it's better off dead. And I will say it is a phenomenal movie. I'll agree with Tim. The other four I have not seen. You've you've never seen Casablanca. Old black and white didn't interest me. So. Chris, Chris, don't don't do, don't do that. <laughs> Thank you, at least for that. Don't, don't do the that, truth. Chris. I, I'm sorry. I'm being honest. Okay. Perhaps the greatest movie ever made. Thank you very much. That's the only one I was certain should be in my top five. The other four I kind of punted on, but that one is probably my all-time favorite. Now, the only one that would compete with that, in my mind, is The Godfather. Yeah, I, yep, and I have no problem with that being in, in, in Chris's stuff. Yeah, I, those... I, I honestly was not upset with, with at least three of Chris's top five. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Was it Dances with Wolves she had problems with? I Dances with Wolves is the one I have the biggest problem with. Yeah, absolutely. What is uh, your problem with Dances with Wolves? Uh oh oh uh so first of all um uh the lack of authenticity in casting the lack of authenticity in language and my biggest problem was the white savior issue that I have with that movie <laughs> which is the same problem I have with Avatar is no. at the end of the day it needs some 
handsome young white guy to fix everything that's going on mm-hmm. that the only way that they were able to to fight and defend is because they had some charismatic white guy to me that was a big glaring issue that i found not just offensive but also just silly and and anachronistic and completely uh uh it just lacked authenticity plus plus side note kevin costner one of the top five most overrated actors of all time in my opinion oh my god now, I'm, I'm going to sit back. Mike, you go ahead. Tim, Tim. Yeah. You know it did win Best Picture of the Year, right? Cool. Crash won Best Picture of the Year. Shakespeare Crash in Love won Best Picture of the Year. Both great uh, The English Patient won Best Picture of the Year. Winning okay, that's a picture, problem. <laughs> winning Best Picture of the Year doesn't mean anything to me. Shakespeare in Love and Crash and and... The English Patient were all garbage. Just because you win Best Picture of the Year doesn't mean that you're a good film. And again, that's why I would argue overrated. Well, that, that's would, exactly what it means. No, 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 it doesn't. Because again, if you know, I'm sorry, I speak the, the English language and the word overrated means given higher praise than is due. Okay, and but, what that's it's, a, but that's a right, personal right? opinion. Yes, what, absolutely. Cool. So isn't so isn't that what we're literally looking at? Is is this overrated? So when I say sure. it's overrated, okay, it is given more praise than it is due. In your opinion, sure. Okay. Sure. Okay. So so in your opinion, English patient? No. Oh no. oh. So you agree that best picture doesn't mean anything? No, I know I didn't say that at all. I said oh. that there there has been some accidents in this. Oh, so so this couldn't be an accident that also applies. Perhaps. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh my goodness! It almost feels like we're actually understanding. Hey, I actually I I enjoyed Dances with Wolves. It is an extremely well-made film. To make white people feel better about themselves. I no. Yeah. I okay. I let me ask. <laughs> let me put it this way: the whole premise of the movie is, and 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 obviously historical references, is that the white man begins to completely wipe them from the face of the earth sure and 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 their culture is and i I think what he does in that movie is not necessarily saves them but i think you need to watch i think you need to watch that again literally he's the white savior the only (laughs) thing that can save them is a white man uh that's not that that's not yeah but he doesn't eventually i mean it it's not like they live to be to have their own little section and, and are fine. I mean, they are eventually eradicated as well. Exactly. According to history. So he didn't save them. But I do think that he was a conduit for them to for him to understand what their culture was. It was it was we were learning their culture through his eyes. That's he how was, I see that. He was and, showing and, compassion to people that no one else was showing compassion. Right. And exactly. and if and and if you would have told that story through their eyes instead of through the eyes of a white man, I would have bought that more as a believable story. But it was the only way to 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 tell this is still it still made the central. Who is who is the main character in the movie? Oh, he is, of course, he is. Oh, okay. So it's yeah. so it's a, so it's a story about mm-hmm. them, but the main character is not them. That I I mean it. I mean I'll I'll, I'll even argue that that. I think uh, an overrated movie is Remember the Titans. Because again, 
It's a it 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 has a white quarterback as kind of the one that bridges the gap to to do anything. And also, I think it's way too disnified. It's way too disnified. Way too disnified. It's way too disnified. It's way too safe. Like even when you get to, I'm not saying that I need to have like offensive racial slurs, but they made it way too safe and way too happy. And Hayden Panettiere being the cute little plucky young, you know, precocious. Uh, blonde girl to to talk about things. It's it's still storytelling for other people, that is really just storytelling for white people, and that was probably my biggest problem with Dances with Wolves is that it's trying to tell a story to white people, <laughs> but still make white people feel like the main character. So, let, let's let's leave Dances with Wolves and and go down to Midnight Run. I have no problem with that movie. I think that's a great movie. It's a great I, it, film. It's, and a lot of people still have not seen it. Yeah. I watched, I had my watch, my wife and my daughter watch it for the first time. They didn't, they didn't get it. But I, I've loved that movie since the time it came out. It makes yeah. me laugh still to this day. I, I think, I think, I mean, you've, you've got some great performances, obviously De Niro and Charles Grodin, two of the all time greats. I don't think you can, <laughs> yes. you can even question that, but uh, I, uh, what's his name? Joe uh, Pantoliano uh, has a has a great performance there. Uh, Dennis Farina, one of the earliest Dennis, Dennis Farina, Farina is my favorite in that movie, yeah. right? I, I mean, he was he was maybe only three years removed <clears throat> for being a New York detective. Like he wasn't that far into his acting career when Midnight Run came out, and he had very quickly gone into the. By the way, Common Ground, very similar character to what he plays in Snatch, which is on my top yeah. five. Yep. Dennis Farina's character in Midnight Run is very similar to the character he plays in Snatch. Is that Mike? Would you agree with that? I do. Yeah. 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 Snatch is a very interesting choice too. I'd... Top top five of all time, maybe not. But well, I I mean I I told you I I had I struggled with top five. It was top <laughs> top five movies I probably watched the most of. <laughs> I mean, I mean, if I look at your list, you've got you start with Casablanca, and I'm yeah. like, okay, well, we're on a roll here. Then, you, then you kind of go to Snatch, which is a very good movie. Mm-hmm. Better off dead. I can't speak about the Dream Team. I really can't speak about Moulin Rouge. I think is brilliant. Yeah, and if if you have not seen the play, wow, the play is brilliant. I'm my wife and I, my wife and I went to Boston for no reason and we wandered by this ticket office and she says well let's see if anything's going on in boston tonight and they had the debut of moulin rouge we show up and here it is all the paparazzi are there they're taking pictures of you know out in front and it's like wow this is kind of cool and the play was absolutely fantastic i also think it's it's boz lerman's best uh best movie uh, uh all apologies to strictly ballroom uh less apologies than anything else but i think what he does to capture elvis I, well i think what he does to capture turn of the century france to capture post impressionism oh, yeah. of the late 1800s in france the way he captures the zeitgeist <clears throat> of that time is just uh more than it's a lot harder to do than Elvis or some of these others. I think what he has done in that, and then like also just some brilliant casting, John Leguizamo, 
<laughs> as as Henri de Toulouse Lautrec is just uh, God, I love it. Jim Broadbent does a fantastic job, and then I mean, Hugh McGregor and Nicole Kidman, very affable, very. Yeah. The music's uh, great. Yeah, and I'm not yeah. a musical guy. I was a theater guy in college. I'm not a musical guy, but what that did, it changed my mind about uh, about musicals more than kind of anything else, probably <clears throat> just because of the way it captured, like I said, the spirit of the age. Yeah, it, it, it's a brilliant film. It really is. And it's one of those movies that if you see it as you're scrolling through the television set, it's like, oh, no, I got to stop and watch that for a while. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and, and I would argue on Chris's list, Shawshank is also... Uh, it feels like a very obvious choice, uh, one that's lately been, as of late, been popular to kind of hate on, and I'm not going to be one to hate on it. Uh, some people have gotten sick of it just because from 2003 to 2019, <laughs> it was on TBS every other Tuesday and every Saturday twice. and twice on Sunday. Right. And so you couldn't you couldn't trip over a remote without finding Shawshank uh, on TV. But no, uh, almost nobody saw it in the theater. Oh, no, so, no. So yeah, everybody's absolutely. catching up, and, and there's still people catching up that haven't seen it today. Yeah. That, that, that's part of the reason why it was probably on my list, because it fits into that category of if I see it on, I have to watch it, regardless you, of what part of it is, because it is, I, I'm, I get so wrapped up in it. And it's one of those movies uh, where you watch, like when, when Tommy gets shot in the in the yard you watch it how many times and you know it's going to happen but you think well maybe this time <clears throat> it doesn't happen right because you, you're that invested in the character yeah. well and and this is the movie that if you're talking to somebody and they say hey i've got the, i saw this movie the other day and i don't know if you've ever seen it you know you know it's shawshank yeah because they're they're still finding it and it's just a brilliant film and then you tell them it's a Stephen King story and they're like no it's not yeah that's that's the one that kind of throws you yeah well, I, yeah, yeah I, I was gonna say that's that's kind of the the one of the things that's so brilliant to me <laughs> so you know this is post stand by me so I think we've all finally realized Stephen King isn't just a horror writer right correct right and, and so we've learned that he does a little bit more but it's still pre Green Mile. And I think we've people were still kind of discovering the the depth of of who he is as an author. First of all, uh, you know, so so many people think of of Carrie and it and things like that. Like they they don't think about uh, how how just great of a storyteller he is. Uh, but they you know they'd forgotten about stand by me or they'd forgotten about some of the other things yeah. this was the one that i think made it a little bit more broader to an audience certainly for people of of, of my generation that that it became broader that that's a stephen king type of thing yeah. uh yeah i i i have i have a hard time with anyone who wants to hate on that film and like i said it's kind of been the hate du jour uh that that i think was born out of exhaustion rather than yeah. Legitimate criticism. Now, back in Iowa City, I took classes as often as I could from a guy named David Morell. Mm -hmm. David Morell wrote a little story about a guy named Rambo and uh, did very well with that. Mm -hmm. And so he told us in class one time <clears throat> that he had a friend of his coming to Iowa City to speak. And we're like, okay, who is it? Well, it's Steve King. Okay. I was like, well, 
yeah, that I, I think we're going to go. So a buddy of mine from the fraternity house, we went, I took a book so we could, he could autograph it. And he comes out, he walks across the stage. He's got one of those big old briefcases and he opens it up and he pulls out this huge manuscript, which we find out later was it. And this mm. is like a long time before it came out. And then he reaches back in the briefcase and he pulls out a tall boy of Budweiser, <laughs> cracks it open, reads while he's drinking, and then he finishes the beer, puts it down, and reaches in and pulls out a tall boy of PBR. And I'm like, you didn't even have a full six pack? <laughs> just but grab him whatever random beer he's got in the fridge. Yeah, it's just, I don't know, whatever was left in the fridge. And did he bring, did he bring it from Maine or did he stop at, you know, <laughs> Little John's Grocery there? I don't know. But it was, I, I got my book signed and it was, uh, it was quite an event. It was a lot of fun to listen to him read. That's, that's, that's pretty incredible. Uh, he always strikes me as someone who is, uh, well, I mean, obviously, uh, intelligent and witty and, and dry, um, very dry. Right. Um, it, I've never had the pleasure of meeting him, but every, every kind of interview I've seen with him or whatever, uh, like almost painfully dry, but if you're if you're tuned in or locked in, like you really, really, really get it. And if yeah. you're someone who doesn't, you're just not going to. Is that fair? I think that's very fair. Did you know that Kyle Lehman at Wintrust Mortgage is the perfect person to contact if you're a first-time home buyer? Kyle has some amazing programs available right now. So go watch his series with Caitlin and Walker when they take their first steps to home buying on our Three Beards Media YouTube channel. Not a bad price range right there. No, and I really want to get out of this apartment. Yeah. Tired of renting. Want something to own. Yeah. Make our own. Family I, equity. Yeah, I don't I don't even know where to start though. Me either. I mean how would we go about looking at into buying a house? I mean honestly, I don't know too much about it. Yeah. Well, I know my dad has a sponsor for his podcast, Kyle Lehman with Wintrust Mortgage. Yeah. And he had mentioned something to my dad about wanting to talk to first time buyers. So maybe we should FaceTime my dad and get some more information. Sounds like a great idea. Okay, Steven so King. are we done? Well, yeah. let's, let's get down to this list at the bottom. Oh, the, the overrated, yeah. The, uh, no, 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 no. The top five. The, the the your top five. Oh, okay yeah casablanca great yeah yeah snatch nah i don't know and i don't what i don't have is your top five overrated that's the piece i'm missing here uh, yeah it's uh at the bottom very bottom what's Starts well, with the sixth sense that that probably uh is left on the printer somewhere so okay what, well, well what, so yeah my 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 overrated are six cents avatar uh kind of a shocker here but the breakfast club mm. uh, uh not to say that i don't think it's a good movie but i think it's overrated uh pretty woman and then i said anything by michael bay uh or anything starring tom cruise excluding the top gun franchise oh he's got to have something else in there 
you know, there's probably something else in there, but as of late, I've had a hard time enjoying any of it. Like, I mean, like cocktail, I can't stand. Jerry Maguire, I think, is just just drivel. Um, the Mission Impossible movies, I, I I appreciate them for what they are, but I don't think they're great. Yeah, they bore me. Yeah. Um. Okay, so Six Sense. Would you agree? Six Sense is overrated. No. Really? Yeah. I, you I, didn't. I, you didn't see that telegraphed a mile away. No, not I did all. not. I. Did oh not. my god! I didn't either. I, I, so I was so confused at the twist ending because I thought we all knew the entire time that Bruce Willis. Sorry, sorry. Spoiler alert uh, to our listeners who who uh, have been in a coma for forty years. Um, uh, I thought we literally all knew the entire time that Bruce Willis was dead. I thought we were all in on it. I thought only he didn't know that. So it it had no like I'm I'm sorry. All of M Night Shyamalan's movies, he. To me, he telegraphs them, even in, in The Sixth Sense. Like, but this the, was such an early movie, hey, uh, you didn't I, know that. I I did. <laughs> well, I you did. must just be smarter than we are. No, well, no, because he tele- like he telegraphed things with like like a red doorknob. There's no nobody has a red doorknob. That that stuck out. Well, I didn't so, know but, what that meant. I, I didn't know that I knew what it meant, but I knew that he was trying to send us a really obvious hit you over the head. I think you're dumb. Let me be obvious to give you a clue signal. But literally from Bruce Willis's yeah, uh, from, from Bruce Willis's um, uh, dinner with his his wife. Yeah. Where she doesn't look at him in the eye, doesn't talk, signs the bill and leaves. To me, that was a very painfully obvious Bruce Willis isn't really there. Yeah. It, I, I it, wish I'd I wish I'd known that I did I didn't I didn't get it and yeah. then at the end when it you find out what it is it's like oh my god see it to to me I, to me I was confused when the the payoff moment to me wasn't a payoff I literally thought we all were in on it not because someone had spoiled the movie up because I saw it in the theater yeah I didn't I didn't I, I'm not saying this from a spoiler perspective I, like I'm not somebody I think that figures out the twist. Uh, man, I, I, I can watch the movie clue. Ooh, clue might've, might've been something that should have been in my top five. I watched that a lot. Like, but like one of those things where I, I don't know, I, I'm not good at figuring that out. And so that one to me felt painfully obvious and that's why I think it's overrated. But you know, <sighs> I, I guess if, if, if you were shocked by it, I get why it isn't to me. It, it, I just well, I feel think like... you I think you were in the in a in a minority because the majority of people did not see it coming, yeah, which I, is I, why it made so much money. I, I know. But I think he's such, such a heavy handed director. I really well, think of course he's he is. He's heavy handed. Like I can't I can't deal with ham fisted. So even if it was a surprise, I, again, red doorknob, it still felt like a ham fisted attempt at at um, intrigue. Now, so, knock at the cabin door, which opened last weekend, M. Night Shyamalan. Okay. Um, not bad. Not okay. bad. I'll, very I'll, I'll, very I'll interesting a, story. I'll give it a try, but all the other ones that he's done, um, I've, ju- I've just struggled. Yeah. If, if, if he's developed more nuance, then, then I'll give it to him. But, uh, you know, it, foreshadowing is one thing, or... Uh, using 
uh, devices, even if they're just MacGuffins, is one thing. But he uses any MacGuffin like a cudgel, and I think <laughs> that's my problem. He's a huge Hitchcock fan. Yeah, you know that. So. Oh yeah, oh yeah. But and and I like. I almost put uh, the birds on my list. Um, I, but I, which I have my own problems with, which is why I didn't. Uh, but I think, uh, I feel like he's doing, uh, a poor man's version of Hitchcock. See now the birds does not, in my mind, doesn't hold up, but when I was little and that thing came on TV, it was intense. Yeah. I mean, well, I mean, there's parts of, of Casablanca that don't hold up frankly, but I still think it's, it's one of the best movies of all time. Oh Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so what's wrong with the Breakfast Club? Okay, uh, <laughs> I I knew this would be a controversial one. Um, my challenge with the Breakfast Club is, as someone who has been in high school, um, they all felt like not. I didn't believe any of the characters. That was my biggest problem. I. I get the coming of age. I get, um, uh, I get the idea that you have people of disparate backgrounds spending an afternoon together and learning more about each other. Um, I, I have my own issues uh, again, probably some of the actors I have issues with, uh, Emilio Estevez, uh, Judd Nelson, um, but I also I also think that for all the clicks that happen in high school, for all of the uh, the social walls that are built up, um, maybe maybe heavy handed is the word I want to use again. Is that felt too blatant? And not nuanced. Enough. Well, each one was representing a group of kids. Sure. Yeah. sure. yeah. No, they were each representing. It was a group still of kids. fun. It was. It was fun. I like. I said, overrated doesn't mean that it was bad. I just think it's overrated. As far as when I think of coming of age movies, when I think of John Hughes movies, when I think of of that that era and that genre, I I think there are the ones that more explore more genuinely. I mean, I would say. Pretty in Pink, 16 Candles, uh, what Cameron Fry goes through in Ferris Bueller's Day Off, I think all represent a little bit more genuine exploration of teen angst than what I thought was a hackneyed approach to teen angst in Breakfast, in Breakfast Club. So I'm going to call that over. Again, not a bad film, but overrated. I can't know. wait. I can't wait till our listener, Chris Delgado, hears this because he just sent me a message earlier today hammering me because I said the same thing that I thought that movie was overrated. I, 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 I think breakfast club. Yeah. Okay. So, 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 that, so we talked about six cents. We talked about breakfast club. You agree. Avatar is probably overrated. Horribly. Yeah. I think, I think that movie is, is, is a piece of garbage. I watched it in the movie. It's beautiful at IMAX. Oh my but, God. It's gorgeous. I, yeah. But oh. there are a lot of things that are gorgeous and completely dead on the inside. I think we saw that with Tara Reed. Like, yeah. Like, like, wow. uh, <laughs> um, but yes, I think that thing, uh, I, I still, I, you know, I've sat through six hours of these two movies. I have no idea what it's about. And there's a bunch of blue people running around that I don't care about. 
what, right? but it is a beautiful it's probably the most bu- visually stunning film i've ever seen it, it's it's very beautiful especially for the time right at the at the nascency of imax at the nascency of of cgi and the integration with live action uh it was groundbreaking but it was groundbreaking garbage that's yeah, the way i felt, just, felt about yeah, it I, okay. I, I'm, I'm gonna agree with you on that one i have about pretty woman what do you think about my inclusion of a pretty woman on this list <sighs> it's, that's a, it's that's a hard one just, for me it's fluff it's it's fun fluff julia roberts is great and is it hector elizondo mm-hmm. yeah yeah he's great richard gears just richard gear and richard gears okay honestly jason alexander was probably the only bright spot in that movie to me <laughs> i i don't know that i i don't know that it's overrated because i don't know that it's like rated super great it's a fun movie for me but i wouldn't call it one that's so great that everybody loves that is really it's a fun movie for me i mean i i i feel like that's one that that gets i yeah it's maybe not i just feel like i see it on on a lot of people's lists and i've just never thought to me i don't even find it also i mean let's get down to to the point of the plot first of all i never i i never bought uh julia roberts as as a call girl Honestly, particularly not one that's just walking the streets. Uh, um, <laughs> I, uh, you know, it's sort of a rags to riches. Uh, Cinderella. The, uh, it, I, I, yeah, but Cinderella. I don't know. Cinderella was beaten down by by her bad step family. Uh, Julia, you don't Roberts, think her pimp is a bad step family? I don't think I bought enough that Julia Roberts, she certainly didn't look like anyone that was on hard times, particularly <laughs> at that time. Uh, you can't tell me that there aren't a billion other women that look like Julia Roberts that have found a way to get by without having to, to, and, and Hey, sex workers work. I'm not, I'm not judging anyone's uh, choice of profession. Uh I didn't find the story terribly believable and it became just kind of annoying to me. And so the fact that so many, I think maybe why I say overrated is that so many people look at it as a love story when there's a billion yeah. better love stories. Right. right? It's I mean, just, it's a popcorn movie. It's just a, it's a, it's an afternoon. Yeah. 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 I just, I think the fact that it still gets talked about to this day, still references a pop culture uh, meme. I think that's what, what i struggle with when i call it overrated but i i i will i will concede that it's not necessarily rated highly but it was it was on my list as one that i think i just get annoyed with when people talk about well all right what what else is on fifth element is a good choice i thank you yeah it's a movie that not a lot of people have seen and so when the praise comes in for it, they, they go in expecting something different than what they get, which is probably why you've got it down as overrated, but it's, it's not good. I can't, I can't sit through it. It's, I, I find no redeeming qualities to it whatsoever. Oh no. I, the, I, I find it to be amazingly funny and just, uh, I just, it's, it's one of those movies you just smile. 
I, I also I also think that I think why some people are so impressed is because Luke Besson wrote most of it when he was like 19 years old. Um, and I think that's why some people give it more praise is they're like, holy shit, look what this 19 year old made. Yeah, um, it's pretty phenomenal also, film you know, when you think about that. Right. I mean, I think I think I think uh, Mila Jovovich does a great job in, in her role. Yeah, I think she communicates more with less words. I think it introduced it introduced most of the world to Chris Tucker, which is uh, yeah, <laughs> kind of delightful. That's the that's the one redeeming quality. Yeah, and, I, and, you'll well, see. It, my list has kind of a theme <laughs> of maybe more fantasy type movies, yeah. which I just is not probably in my genre. So well, and, maybe and that's if, why I find them overrated. I mean, you've got Gary Oldman being at his Gary Oldmanist. So there's also that in that movie, yeah. but I, I, but I, I will agree. I do think it's overrated, but I, I would not say that there's no redeeming value to that movie. I think there's plenty of redeeming value to the movie, but I'm not going to heap the praise that everyone else seems to. Lord of the Rings is an interesting overrated choice. Uh, I, I really, really, really wanted to want to like it. Yeah. Uh, I felt like the first one had about four false endings. And when they kept going, I was like, are we seriously still on this fucking trick? <laughs> like I was, <laughs> hey, can, can I, can I ask you if you read the book as a kid? I did not. No, I did okay. not read that. I read the Hobbit as a kid. I never read as a matter of fact, to be, to be completely honest, I had no idea there were other stories other than the Hobbit. Yeah. And I've read none of them. So, but I, 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 I tried to watch it. I just could not. It, it, it was it was long. It was there were some false endings where I thought, OK, this is the end of it. And then it, they just keep walking. And I'm just like, I can't. I, 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 I did not like it. And then they just kept making sequel. Right. And sequel, I never watched the sequels sequel. because I couldn't get through the first one. It was so bad. I never watched the sequels. So I hear that Return of the King or whatever that one is, is like the greatest. Yes. I've not watched one second of it. Okay. And what's wrong with Goonies? Uh, it's just not funny. It's I don't find it funny. <laughs> I don't. I it's not I, I the weird character with the guy with the weird face creeps me out. Uh I, I So 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 hold on. I I want to I want to preface this, Mike. Chris only recently discovered the Goonies. Yes, I just watched oh. it in the last year and so, a half after we so started he, having a So podcast. he has no he has no nostalgia for it. He yeah. has no ability to look look at that movie through a kid's eyes. Yeah, which is important. It's a with that huge, movie. huge thing that you need to do is be able to watch that movie through a kid's eyes and not a creepy old man's eyes like Chris has. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> he, he, he relates more to Brant's dad in that movie than he does to any of the kids in Goonies. I don't, I don't know who that is. <laughs> is that the handsome guy in the movie? Is that who that is? No, no. <laughs> Princess Bride uh, the same way. Watched it for the first time probably a year ago. My first thought was they don't know that this is the dead guy from earlier. That was my whole, I was so hung up on that. I could not enjoy the rest of the movie. Now, caveat to the Princess Bride. I have probably three of my most favorite gifs that I use on Twitter from that particular movie. So I was going to say, literally in talking about this, you responded with someone with a princess bride, uh, Inigo Montoyo gif. And I was like, okay, well, it's it, just, it's just so clever. 
It is. Why is it clever? I mean, the guy, you know, she doesn't know that that's the guy. Again, <laughs> you're looking at it through the wrong lens. Yeah, this you're is, you're 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 looking for the wrong thing. This is Peter Falk reading a story to his sick kid in Fred Savage. So he's reading a kid's book. So you have to think about it as a kid's book come to life. Okay. So do you remember what being a kid was like? Because I kind of feel like you don't. It was a while ago. I yeah. It was sure, a while ago. It sure. was a while ago for all of us. Yes. <laughs> yes, but but that uh, again. Also, Peter Falk, uh, underrated performance in there. But Carrie Elwes is at his most charming. You get uh, uh, Wallace Shawn giving uh, a performance <laughs> for the ages. Uh, M- Mandy Patinkin. Uh, I feel so much for um, Andre uh, the Giant. Andre the Giant, come on! Should have again the only redeeming quality of that movie. Oh, oh no! I'm sorry. Robin Wright is a redeeming quality in just about any movie. That's true. She saves Forrest Gump. Oh, she absolutely. If Forrest Gump would be a garbage film without Robin Wright, she was the heart and soul of that movie for sure. Well, yeah, of course. But but also, I mean. I'll go on record and saying uh, Princess Bride probably isn't Rob Reiner's best film. Um, I no. almost put When Harry Met Sally in in my top five, and I still kind of regret that I didn't. Yeah, that's I a it, great film. It literally, it. literally invented the rom com. That genre did not exist. Oh, yeah. uh, mm-hmm. The scenes with uh, Billy Crystal and Bruno Kirby Kirby having uh, a conversation do, doing the wave, absolutely brilliant. Um, I still to this day say, oh, but baby Fishmouth is sweeping the nation whenever someone is <laughs> trying to make an awful, also awful point. Uh, damn it. You know what? I'm going to put that in. Go ahead and remove Snatch. Put, put, uh, okay, hold on. I got when Harry let's, met let's Sally. Put when Harry met Sally to my top. Well, let's make this. To, let's fix <laughs> this. <laughs> you know what? Your list just got a lot better. <laughs> I will. I will say, in in defense of you know, I make fun of of Guy Ritchie all the time, and there's a guy that does TikTok videos making fun of Guy Ritchie movies, and there's spot on parodies of Guy Ritchie movies. But I do also love. Uh, you see Jason Statham at his not action hero at more of a quirky. You get to see a great, uh, left of center Brad Pitt. Uh, character as a pikey you get to see dennis Farina being dennis Farina, but still uh in a charming way um uh, you get to be introduced to all these other uh actors uh, it's a very kind of just fun story so i will defend snatch for that point but yeah maybe not top five but i do think it is a movie that not enough people have seen and more people should watch and i think more people would enjoy it than they think probably right um, I, we'll keep going. So you didn't like Princess Bride. You didn't like Goonies. Uh, I think you're terrible for both of those opinions because you you have lost the heart of a child, which just makes me weep for you. That's fine. Um, <laughs> uh, which is the Blank- reason why Raiders of the Lost Ark is on my most favorite because I literally walked to my local movie theater probably once a week and watched that in the theaters. 15 or 16 times as a kid. Wow. I 
loved every minute of that movie. Did you see any of the sequels? Yes, I've watched all of them. The Crystal Skull is an absolute abomination and should never be made. <laughs> so, uh, I so I would argue I think I like I hate Wolf. Shia LaBeouf. I hate that kid. I would argue I think uh, Last Crusade is a better movie than than Raiders. It's of close. The Lost Ark. <clears throat> it's close, but for me, it's the nostalgia part. The snakes, the Lost Ark, the, the tomb with all the snakes. I'm scared to death of snakes. That's probably my favorite scene in that entire movie. The car chase, the the you know the epic. He's gonna sword fight this guy, and then he just shoots him in the in the middle of the street. Which, and, which was li- which, which was literally down because yeah, because Harrison yeah. Ford was hungover. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so no, no shout out to Karen Allen at all. Oh, I mean, oh, good lord! I think Karen <laughs> Allen. It, you know, I fell in she, love I with Karen Allen with that annoying in that movie. What? <laughs> yes. Oh my god! I fell in love with her that movie, and then like. Between that and Animal House, uh, oh, uh, okay. Oh I my, forgot she was in that. Oh my goodness! Just certainly, mm, yeah, yeah. I I think she's fantastic. Do you need a moment? I do. I very much need a moment. <laughs> she is, she, she has been on my mind. Like like it's just some of those actresses, um, like Phoebe Cates, who have been on my mind for a very long time. That, that can't imagine been, why. Uh, yeah taken up a lot of mental real estate for the last 30 40 years um yeah i i i I think it's a very good one i like i said i think i actually think last crusade beats it but i think it it only beats it by a very narrow margin and i think probably it's the inclusion of of sean connery that puts that over the edge yeah Um, and really we have another one this summer yeah, I, yeah, we'll I see. see. I really hope they completely wipe Crystal Skull off the map and don't even reference it. To be honest with you, they probably won't reference it. It's so that, bad to me. That's not canon. That's I was uh, so disappointed in that movie. It was ridiculous. I, everyone was. <sighs> yeah, yeah. One of these days, we'll have to expose the virtue of the argument that uh, <clears throat> Indiana Jones technically is not needed in that movie in order for the Ark to never be found. Because if it wasn't for Indiana Jones, they would have never found it. This was referenced in a in a TV show, uh, a Big Bang Theory, where they would they would have always had the wrong the wrong location if they if Indiana Jones would have never shown up. I'm not quite sure I followed it before I, I fully understand it, so I'm sure somebody will explain it to me. But there's apparently that theory out there. Hmm. I guess I hadn't even thought about it. Now I got to look it up. All right, so, so the last one we haven't talked about, uh, original Planet of the Apes. Yeah, I, I, I mean it's iconic, I guess, but I just never, I just never enjoyed the movie. And again, maybe this is again me watching it several years after it came out, and just not appreciating what it was for. Uh, it took me a long, long time to figure out what the whole Statue of Liberty thing meant at the end. So, well, and I think it's a movie that has not really time has not been kind to it. Yeah, I mean the special effects are were, are horrible. Roddy McDowell, <laughs> I, I just, you know, but but in the day when when you saw that movie and and that ending comes up, it's like oh my god. 
So, Chris, I won't tell you what it means, but (laughs) you'll figure it out at some point. You know, what's funny to me is I would agree that time has not been kind of that movie, but I would argue that time has been worse to the Mark Wahlberg remake of Planet of the Apes. Yeah. I think I think that thing aged out in about five minutes. That was terrible. (laughs) Yeah. Agreed. Which Agreed. is why, which is why I wrote the original because I did not want you to think at any point that I thought that other people thought the remake was any good. Okay, right. the theory of of Indiana Jones not of being irrelevant is because had Indy just simply stayed home, the Nazis still would have opened up the Ark of the Covenant at the end, and all of them would have melted and died. Yep, that makes sense. So he's irrelevant to the plot. I think it's fair. Yep. Interesting. Yeah. All right. Can, yeah. can we take a spin? Can we? Are yeah. we done? Are we done with with the hard lifting? Yeah. Yeah. I'm interested to see what each of you, without having to prepare for it, what were your top five movies of last year? Uh, <laughs> I. Oh. I don't know said, that I saw any. This I'm year. I'm trying to think of what so the problem is is that well first of all uh since movie theaters are kind of a dead thing and also I was talking with someone at work uh today about how a year ago we had ended COVID restrictions but then COVID oh shoot COVID restrictions started three years ago anything from 2019 on feels like last year is that is that a fair statement? It, it in a sense, yes. Okay, it's, that's fair. Okay, so uh, you uh, you don't see movies in in a theater. Did you see Top Gun Maverick at the IMAX? Yes. Yeah, I did. I did see it. I saw it at the Palms actually. Yeah, at the yeah. IMAX. So, yep. I, uh, I I think that was a very. I think it was good. I did not see it in the theater, but I thought it was very good. Uh, no, I geeked out of it. Thought it was great. Thought it was better than the original. I I I would agree, and I think they did a wonderful job of finding that woman who was referenced just briefly in the first film yes. and then give her a full character. It's yes. Like, and I picked oh, it's that, the general's daughter. I, I, I was super disappointed at the very end when he went into her bar and the old man that came out carrying beer was not the admiral. That's what I was really hoping <laughs> that he was going to be the admiral. I thought that would be great. I did see uh, King Richard. I watched it on HBO. Yeah. Uh, and I thought that was phenomenal as well. I really, really liked King Richard. Um, I thought uh, Licorice Pizza was a very solid movie for for 2022, um, mostly because um, uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman's son was just uh, not only the spitting image of him, he found a way to capture Philip Seymour Hoffman's charm, but still kind of add his own thing to it. Um, I thought what's her name from Heim uh was a way better actress than I thought she would be. Uh the story kind of creeped me out, but it had uh the quirkiness that I was expecting, but uh a lot more heartfelt moments than than I anticipated. And again, the performances I thought were were very solid. Yeah, so I, see, I just thought it was too quirky. I thought it was quirky, you know, for the sake of being quirky. And that was like, they had a perfect opportunity to make a charming little film. And it just, they just wanted to be 
a little more quirky than they were. I, no, I, I, I certainly think that's that's fair. I mean, that's that's Paul Thomas Anderson to a T, though, right? Right. Like, like it, it literally felt like every other uh, Paul Thomas Anderson film in that sense. See, and I think Magnolia is brilliant. I See, love Magnolia. I, you know what's funny is all the Paul Thomas Anderson fans. Uh, I love Magnolia more than I did. I, I don't know why I did not like that as much as some of his other movies. Uh, uh, Punch Drunk Love, I thought, was a better movie. I, I I can't tell you why. Something about Magnolia, maybe it was just the time that it came out or the who I was when it came out. I, I think it's a nice film. As soon know. as it started raining frogs, I was I was locked in. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think okay. that I think that's where Quirk felt too far for me. Is All right, did either either one of you see the Batman? No, I was just going to yes. bring up the Batman. I I did cheat and just go look at the movies just because to Tim's point, the years now have ran together, so I, I I'm, yeah. I'm terrible at knowing what movie came out when. So the Batman I did see. I there's one that I thought again. How many remake new arc stories of the Batman are they going to do? Uh, because the Christian Bale ones to me were so phenomenal. They were, uh, that I was surprised that they were, but this one with Robert Patrick, I thought was better. I almost put, um, I almost put the, uh, 1988 or 1989, uh, Michael Keaton, Batman in the first one, top five. I almost put that in my top five as well. Um, favorites. Yeah. Um, Again, based off of my criteria of having watched it a billion times. Uh, also, yeah. also, I think what that did to reignite uh, the superhero movie genre. Like, oh, now, yeah. don't get me yeah. wrong. Like, we've gone. The pendulum has swung too far. Avengers Endgame never should have happened. Oh, like, like I think it's still going. I think I, I, I left the theater and it just keeps going. Yeah, as, as, as I say, the, yeah well, there's no end game to that movie. But... Um, what what Tim Burton's Batman did to reignite the superhero movie genre, particularly since like the last one that had been out that was kind of worth anything was was the Superman franchise, which I still think was kind of not good. I mean, when I say kind of not good, I think it was pretty terrible. Yeah. Um, Even the original with yeah. the original Superman. Yeah, I mean Superman three with Richard Pryor. That I mean that at that point jumped the shark. But oh, uh, for sure. But it, even the original, I think, was just it's still schlocky. Uh, has and, there ever been a good Superman movie though? Well, to be fair, probably not. Um, but it's a it's a hard it's a hard character. It is to, to put on screen. Yeah. I think so. But, but Batman is not. No, and, it's gritty. It's yeah. And but the, I, and this this new one was so dark. Yeah, I just I mean, in its look, in its feel, in every I mean, it was just I I I still think it's the best movie I saw last year. Yeah, I I loved it. I thought it was great. I was surprised that I loved it. I was re I was ready to hate it. it. That was one of those deals when they announced him as, as Batman. I was like, I you know I can't get past Twilight, so I'm not yeah. sure that, that I had uh, no expectation of him being as good as he was. Yeah. And it was the dark Batman. I mean, it's the Batman's a tough character because mm -hmm. he can be comedic, he can be dark, he can be light. And just I like my Batman dark. Well, and 
I think, I think that's what I liked about Tim Burton's, um, you know, some of the, I think Tim Burton showed a certain sensibility towards the comic books with his over the top colors and certain things. And it almost was a nod to the early Batman TV show. Um, yeah. You know, um, Jack uh, Nicholas had had some sort of almost nods to Sid Caesar's Joker. You had some of that, I think. Uh, kill me as a Minnesotan to say that the Prince thing was a little bit much. Um, but I think Michael Keaton. I mean, I already had a Michael Keaton movie on there. I almost put uh, Mr. Mom on my top five as well. I think Michael Keaton is one of those those actors that uh has is just so good at what he does that I think don't think people appreciate how good he is. Yeah. Michael I, Keaton was brilliant as absolutely Batman. absolutely absolutely and and it was such a turn, right? Right. Was, yeah. Who saw that coming? Yeah. Yeah, that's that's what's funny about the people that have been cast as Batman. <clears throat> I mean, other than Christian Bale, I don't remember a lot of blowback, but when people talked about Michael Keaton being cast as him and Ben Affleck being cast of him and, and, and Robert Patrick, George Clooney, George Clooney, that, 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 well, that was warranted. I mean, him and Val Kilmer were terrible, but the amount of, of, of hatred by the hardcore fans uh, when they cast those guys, but they turned out really well. I mean, I, I was surprised that I would like this last one more than I did the Christian Bale ones. And I loved the Christian Bale ones Yeah, and honestly did not think they'd get any more grittier than that, to be honest with you. And then they did. Yes, they did. Okay. Have either of you seen the Banshees of, uh, in a Sharon? Yes. I, that was one I was thinking of that. I should say, I don't even know what that is, Mike. Oh, it's Colin Farrell <laughs> and Brendan Gleeson. Their, their follow-up to in Bruges. It, yeah, and and, and uh, again, in Bruges might have been one that was was dangerously close to hitting my top five. Right. Well, it definitely hit the top five in the number of f bombs. Yeah. Well, yeah, but <laughs> I, I think I think in Bruges is when I took Colin Farrell seriously. Yeah. Right. And I I expect him to take the Oscar home. I I and think Chris, if you haven't seen this movie or heard of it, it's about two great friends. It's like 1923. They're on an island off of Ireland. And Brendan Gleeson comes up to Colin Farrell one day and says, yeah, I, I just, we've been great friends for years. And I just, I, I need to, I just, I need to end our friendship. He says, we've had every conversation we will ever have. And I just don't take it personally, but I just need to move on. And Colin Farrell is beside himself and just absolutely refuses to let this guy do that. And it gets it gets pretty dark by the end of the movie. Interesting. But it's it's a great film. I I I think I think uh, you know early on in Colin Farrell's career he was just kind of seen as this pretty boy sort of bad boy type of 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 celebrity more than an actor. Um, I think. Like I said, in Bruges is where it took a turn. And I think this one uh, was really um, the way that he, so, I mean, this is drama and comedy at its finest. And the way that he plays funny parts 
as straight and as earnestly and as seriously as he does. Like to me, the funniest comedy isn't wink, wink, nudge, nudge comedy. It's genuineness and the way that he kind of does that gives like you laugh when you shouldn't laugh. Um, and like you said, it yeah, it it gets dark. But I think uh, Colin Farrell has a lot more sensitivity as an actor than I think people give him credit for. Yeah. And Colin Farrell was in the Batman movie. I get to the end of the movie. I had no idea that that was Colin Farrell because he oh, got so much yeah. makeup on. Yeah. So the menu, did you see the menu? I didn't. That's on my list. It's, it is unlike anything you've ever seen. It's just so off the wall and you have no idea from minute to minute where it's going. It's just, it's really good. What else is on here? The one that I would like to see that has just recently come out is A Man Called Otto. Oh, did you see the, I mean, there was a Swedish film back in the 80s. No, the, the varsity. I was going to no. say, I can, I can answer that for Chris. No, he hasn't seen that. <laughs> yeah. A Man Called <laughs> You lost me in Swedish, Mike. <laughs> I think it was Swedish A Man Called. Swedish in the 80s, you lost me. A Man Called Ove. And it was a great movie. And this one, then they made it, they made an American sequel to it that was not good. And then Tom Hanks picks this one up and just delivers one of the better performances of the year. That that's a that's a movie that just by the trailer alone enticed me to want to go see it. Yeah, I talked to a woman at the Y on the way out today. She's like, All right, give me a movie I need to see. And I said, A man called Otto. She goes, Oh, my husband and I saw it the other day. It is great. So it's 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 definitely a crowd pleaser, and it's you know it you're gonna laugh, you're gonna cry. It's it's one of those movies. What uh, what is one? Uh, let's ask this around the around the horn, and I'll start. But the last movie that you saw that was just obscure that you came across that you hadn't seen. For me, I was actually scrolling through HBO Max last night, and came across Game Changer which is the biopic about uh, Steve Schmidt, who actually runs the Lincoln Project now. And he was uh, John McCain's uh, campaign manager and helped handpick Sarah Palin. And then the absolute chit show that proceeded, that, that ended up to that be. I found it interesting because I assumed that it was some sort of a hatchet piece but as I read information about the movie, Steve Schmidt has come out and said that everything in that movie is 100% accurate on how he hmm. felt about it. So it was wow. interesting. Uh, and you can see at the end of the movie, the beginnings of the vitriol in politics uh, in 2008. It, it, I watched the entire thing. I did not stop watching. I was that engrossed with it. And it huh. was so well done that at one point, I kind of felt sorry for Sarah Palin's character believe it or not, which if anybody knows me is not in my genre. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't see that happening. <laughs> but just because at one point she was so isolated and so handled and she couldn't be herself now uh, and, and you you felt a little bad for her. Um, but man, that that was a powerful, the ending of that movie was really powerful, how you saw the crowd start to turn and become even more vitriol as to what they are now. So, hmm, what's the name of it? Game Changer. It's on HBO Max. Okay. Uh, Ed Harris plays John McCain. Uh, Woody Harrelson plays Steve Schmidt. 
and Julianne Moore plays uh, Sarah Palin. Oh, that's got to be fun. I'll find that one. That one sounds good. Tim, last obscure movie that you just didn't think you and you just stumbled upon and watched and you thought was good. Boy. Ooh. All right, that, Tim. Tim, that's give a tough one. one. Yeah, you come back to me. Okay, go ahead. No, no. Oh, Mike, you want me to? Gonna okay, I've got two that would fit that. One was a movie called The Outfit, and I don't know if either of you saw it. It was a Mark Ryland. Rylance plays a, a a tailor in London, and he is a tailor for the gangsters. They come okay. in and they get the finest clothes, and he fits them and then things start to turn and you find out that the people you thought were doing one thing were not doing one thing. It's just really a really good movie. And I'm sure it's on streaming now. And the other one, and Keith Murphy called me the other day and he says, hey, you got to watch this movie called Emily the Criminal. It's really good. And I said, hmm. Keith, I reviewed it about six months ago. <laughs> <laughs> I said, thanks for paying attention. But it's about this woman who's just struggling with credit card debt and she gets in with the wrong group of people and she can't get out. It is really, really well done. So those two movies, if you're looking for something different, are well worth looking. Uh, um, shoot. Um, this one's a couple years old, but I didn't find it until later. It's... What is it called? Oh, um, uh, sorry to bother you, Lakeith Stanfield. Have you seen that one? I so have Lakeith, not. Uh, Lakeith Stanfield uh, is best known on the TV show Atlanta. Okay. And uh, he, he he plays this down in his luck character who uh, gets a job at a telemarketing firm where he learns from Danny Glover, I believe uh, that the best way to get ahead is to use his white person voice and his white person <laughs> voice is, is voiced by, I think, David Cross. Um, <laughs> and, it, and it goes completely bizarre, but I would say uh, it goes down a road that is uh, absurd, but highly enjoyable Um uh, like I said, it's probably three or four years old. I don't remember where I originally came across it, um, but he does a great job in that. I think I think Lakeith Stanfield is maybe an underappreciated actor who probably is due to break out in in, in a few years. But yeah, sorry to bother you. I believe is what it's called. Huh. And, and yeah, interesting. Yeah, I think Mike, you might you might actually enjoy uh, watching that one. Interesting. Yeah. All right, I got to tap out, uh, okay. Chris. I'm headed for Mayo in the morning. For a pet scan well good luck so i don't anticipate having any problems with that but i'm kind of like the residual the the insurance guys get you know every yeah. three months i come yeah back i and, had that i mine wow. was every six months no i wow. get it well mike i thank you so much for coming on this was a lot that was of fun. fun now yeah, do you think was... people are actually going to watch this and stay awake yeah well we don't we pull a little bit of the audio a little bit of the video and then we'll uh, I'll, I'll probably pull, uh, I think I, I found a pretty funny moment where we made fun of Tim at about the 58 minute mark. So I'll pull that. Oh, okay. For, okay. Good. Good. To, to good. tease, but, uh, then we'll, we'll post the audio. I'll tag you in it. If you could just retweet it and, and promote it, that sure. would be great. 
And I, I, I would prefer you use the segments where I'm not on camera. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. That's the best part. Right. Exactly. Watch the very beginning because you won't yeah, have to look at him. Then there he figures go. it out. We, we we have like we have we have a, a decent listener base, but we have probably seven rabid fans that w- when we tag you will chime in with their also terrible uh movie opinions. Right. Like so, Christella Gardell and, and Pan's Labyrinth. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So all uh, right, guys. Hey, it was fun. Yeah. Thank you very much. And uh Thanks for asking me. No problem. Yeah, Thanks, thank Mike. you very much. All right, guys. Have a good night. Yep, you too. See ya. Well, that was fun. That was fun. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, a little bit different for us, uh, but it was good. I, I thought I, <laughs> I did have to chuckle when the Marty Terrell reference came up. <laughs> right. <laughs> It's a small world around here. Yeah, apparently. Uh boy, uh Des Moines, uh what you doing? But uh right. no, uh we didn't get a chance to to ask him our our uh Wintrust mortgage question of, of the pod, which is okay. Uh but please go ahead and check out Kyle Lehman for all of your mortgage needs. Chris, what else do you want to go ahead and make sure our listeners are aware uh i you know keep a track of hot mess happy hour i think they're going to schedule an outing down at revelton distilling company at rob and christie's place so uh keep an eye out on social media for that and i think that's really about it right now it's kind of slow in february so it's that it's that time of year a lot more exciting things are, are due to happen i'm really excited as we get into college basketball tournament season to know what everyone gets fired up about, whether that be Anya, whether that be the hot mess, happy hour ladies, whether that be side of the storm um, or even ourselves. I have a, I have a feeling you and I might have an opinion or two a little bit. on that. So we've got more to come with that. Uh, other than that, folks, we really appreciate you listening to yet another edition of old man strength. Once again, this is a podcast of Three Beards Media. You can find us on the web at threebeardsmedia.com. You can find Chris Zygrad Site Dad on Twitter. I'm Tim Johnson MN on Twitter. There are a whole bunch of other things, so please go ahead and check out all of that content. Please go ahead and subscribe to our feed if you have not, as well as all the other Three Beards Media podcasts. We very much appreciate that. And with that, We will catch you guys next time.